Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Michelle Moulton. And today we're going to explain why you should listen to this whole episode. Should? You're telling me I should? <laughs> That's right. I know what's best for you. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before the show, we were getting all ranty about the word should. And, uh, and, and it's, you know, it, we're both totally on the same page about this. If, I think it's true. If you went back and listened to all the episodes that there are very few instances of that word because both of us are sort of allergic to it. That's a radioactive word for me. It's a sign to me when I'm about to say that word, especially about someone else's behavior or decisions that I'm making either massive assumptions about them, what they should do, what they want. So it's Anyway, it, it's a word that makes me, when it's about to cross my lips, I'm like, Ugh. what am I, this is about to make, I'm about to put my foot in my mouth. This is like not a smart path to go down. Yeah, it feels, to me, it feels like it's so full of judgment. <laughs> you know, you should, you know, fill in the blank is sort of saying, well, what you're doing now isn't working. Mm. And so do this my way. Right. Oh, I didn't, I wasn't even thinking in terms of, of uh, unsolicited advice. Whew. That's, that's even more toxic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me tell you what yeah. you should do, honey. It's like, oh. I've been, I've been told that exact same thing. It's one of the reasons I'm not in a big firm anymore. Oh, oh. Yeah. That said, I mean, we're in the advice-giving business, and pr pretty much any authority or consultant is basically in the advice-giving business. So, you know, how do, how do those two things intersect? How do you do it in a way that is empathetic and useful and pr actually produces the outcome that the other person wants. So yeah. So anyway, it's a, it's an interesting yeah. word. I'm probably going to be doing a bunch of emails about it. Um, but there were a few things or a few things where it's very common. There's common advice. There's, there's a few different things that are super common where you'll hear, especially if you're starting out or, you know, maybe you are asking for advice. People like always say stuff like you should hire employees or you know like the story i told mm -hmm. last time about about i mean a friend of mine and my dad they were like how are you gonna how are you gonna scale your business if you're not gonna hire employees like you should hire employees you know and i had an answer right. to that question but a lot of people don't a lot of people are like you know they they get the advice you should hire employees or it's or it's maybe it's just floating around in the ether like Everyone should hire employees when they start a business. It's like, it's just way too broad strokey for me. So anyway, yeah. we wanted to puncture a few of these today. <laughs> and and if nothing else, for the dear listener to to turn on a little metal detector in their brain every time and, and just have it tick every time you use that word. See how often you use that word. And, uh, and every time you do, you have to put a quarter in the jar. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it just as you were talking about that, I had an idea that we didn't talk about before the show, which is I think about a really, really expert consultant. And I'm going to use the B2B model just because it's sort of easier, where you become this the expert that all the companies in your niche want to go to. And that kind of a person sometimes can get into a really bad habit of using should all the time, mm. right? You're sitting around with CEOs and captains of industry and you're saying, you should do this, you should do that. And it creates a sense of isolation 
and it's but it's insidious it's a little bit at a time you should you should you, you separate yourself from the client and what they're actually going to do and it's 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 way too easy to pontificate versus actually help your client change whatever situation it is you've been hired to fix mm. yes I, i've seen it crop up oh and, and by the way i was you just described me 15 years ago you know it was like <laughs> you know it's like especially when mobile came around and i was getting all of these people were all these clients especially the really big ones i i had an agenda like i i was on a mission i'm always on a mission right so i was on a mission back then to uh, make all websites mobile friendly like like i was like chicken little running around saying if if you if your business isn't mobile your business is dead it's just not gonna mm -hmm. survive this wave is too huge and i was totally wrong you know i mean i was right and wrong <laughs> like plenty of laggard businesses had reasons to drag their feet or their their business really wasn't didn't come that way you know it was it was me just saying everyone should have a, a website that's mobile friendly a responsive website and in a sense and the, the thing that i was missing back then the younger me was missing back then was i was taking a what i saw as a best practice for I'm trying to think i'm trying to keep myself honest here yeah I, it, it was Anybody who had a website, it should be mobile friendly. And in theory, I guess that's true, but in a, in a in a broad sense. But as you're dealing with an individual client, if you just come in with this generic advice uh, about best practices or whatever, without taking any of their real life situation into account or their, their real life resource constraints into account or how, how much of a, a lift it would be to even do such a thing, it's not... It's not useful. It's just not helpful. And and you've probably heard me say before on the show, when thinking back on it, a lot of them didn't take my advice. And the, you know, and the reason can be found in Flawless Consulting by Peter Block, <laughs> <laughs> because I was coming in like the expert, making pronouncements instead of enrolling the client in their success. First of all, finding out what success they wanted, and then enrolling them in the path where I would kind of guide them along and be more of a Sherpa than like, you know, here I come to save the day. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So the so anyway, that was a really long way of saying, um, even though you might be an expert at what you do, you probably are an expert at what you do. There are probably best practices in your industry. Blindly applying them is just like another way of of shooting someone, should shooting on someone, <laughs> <laughs> shooting on. Someone. Stop shooting on people. Um, yeah. Well, it's it's kind of like um, you know you have a point of view. And the point of view doesn't say should in it, hopefully. Um, there's an aspect of should in it, probably, because you're saying, you know, if you want this, here's the prescription to get there. So message-wise, it's really powerful to have a succinct set of concepts or statements. But there's a difference between that and then applying that to every single situation, you know, because we all know there's nuance, no two situations, no two people, no two clients are ever exactly the same. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but we, we like to communicate with strength and with verbs. And so, and that's important. It's the should that doesn't have a place there because it will isolate um, us as consultants eventually may not happen right away, but, um, you know, more importantly, you won't get the transformation that you, that you really want to get. Right. And it starts with, it, 
and, and helping your client get the transformation that they want starts with finding out what that transformation is, which yeah. I am guilty of not doing. Like people would call me in because they knew I was the guy who wrote the iPhone book and and I would just make a giant load of assumptions about <laughs> what they wanted. Like like, you know, I can so picture this. Oh guru. Yeah. Oh guru, tell us what must we do? <laughs> right? Let me tell you, here's what here's what you should do. Okay. <laughs> First thing then go like that. Then go like this. And and maybe if they followed those steps, then they would have gotten the outcome that they wanted, but I never stopped to, you know, to find out what the outcome was that they wanted. Well, that's not 100% true, but but in in um, lots of times in these short engagements, you know, like a two day strategy workshop or something like that. My retainer stuff, where I was really partnering with my my clients over a long period, I knew exactly what they wanted, and I was very clear about what the metrics were. But these, it was it was I was the worst about it in in these sort of parachute in do a four-hour presentation uh, to like a board of directors or like an internal user group or something like that. And, and and you, you know, you are sort of the center of attention. You're the sage on mm -hmm. stage. So, of course, you're yep. supposed to be, like you said, you know, putting forth a really strong point of view. But it's not constantly, I'm not comfortable doing that anymore. I'm much more comfortable, even with someone on my mailing list. I'm, if someone, you know, is like, oh, I said something really vague, like, um, you know, they reply to my first email that asks, you know, reply with your biggest business challenge right now. I'm like, oh, I'm not getting enough leads or something like that. It, it would be, it's comical to me now to be, to like turn around and say to them, well, here's what you should do. You know, get more focused in your positioning, pick a target market, identify their expensive problem. Like I could do that and it might be right, but it would almost be a little bit coincidental. So what I do now is I, I, it's almost, I think it's probably annoys people where I try and I think like, okay, what are all my assumptions here? And then I'll just ask them questions until I do start to have a firm footing on the reality of their particular situation instead of treating them like a generic Mm. business widget or a generic <clears throat> freelancer and just, just and just treating them like all freelancers must follow these you know my five-step mm -hmm. process or whatever it is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's a it's a balance with all of that but it's a um i like to think you know most of us as consultants we do like to tell people what to do <laughs> we really do um but that should doesn't have a place in that i think that's that's really the crux of what we're saying and in my experience, it doesn't usually work. Like yeah. they just, they don't, because they're not enrolled in the idea. It's not their idea. I think it's much more effective yeah. to kind of, to kind of lead them through questioning to a potential solution that then is their idea, really. And, mm -hmm. you know, I turn into the kind of, um, I mean, I, I was exposed once to a real life McKinsey consultant in my, in my short corporate stint and uh, very impressive actually, but it was, it, but the the person the guy, it was a guy and and he uh he would just ask all of these great questions you know it, it was not mm -hmm. prescriptive prescriptive at all it was like he'd ask all these questions and he'd just like draw this sort of he'd map out all what we thought was a very complex situation and but we were lost in the forest and he was like flying above it and like drew this thing out and it was like oh yeah that's exactly it and the solution became <laughs> obvious you know yeah it's it's fascinating it, it, anyway um and and in my experience, it's much more effective. So that's what you should do. <laughs> <laughs> Be like McKinsey. Uh, uh, oh, man. Okay, so should we take aim at a couple uh, uh, 
in, you know, specific shoulds that are really oh, common? Yeah. Yeah, I really want to talk about you should hire employees. And I think it's because we're hearing some chatter from our our episode, I guess it was two weeks ago now, uh, by the time you hear this, about hiring employees and what's good and what's challenging about that. So, I mean, you've been in a situation, I think we both have, where somebody kind of points their finger at you and says, you should hire employees. Mm -hmm. That's how you're going to grow. Mm-hmm. I had I had a guy at a at a conference and it was um, basically deal makers. So these were some of them were private equity, some of them were lenders. It was you know kind of deal specific people. And this one guy looked at my business card and he said, "If you can build a team, I can get you five million for your concept." <laughs> and I was laughing. I was like, "I don't want to build a team. Mm-hmm. You need employees. You should find some employees." So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I get it. I I got it uh, a lot, you know. Earlier on, I guess people have given up on on giving me that particular piece of advice. Uh, and but it's not that you know to, it's not that you shouldn't. It's just such a specific piece of advice that if if you just blindly give it to someone whose business card you just met, yeah, and it's like exactly, well, you don't know anything about me, right? Like how right. Okay, explain to me why I should do that, you know, and it's just one way to create leverage. This is this is what bothers me. This is a related one where, you know, you should grow your business. And it's like, well, what do you mean by grow? You know, so it's such a vague piece of advice. I think most people mean add headcount when they say grow the business, but it could also be grow the revenue or profits or there's a million other things you could grow but it's like this generic advice that or just in general that you should always be growing your business mm-hmm. so but the employees one there, there's certainly scenarios we kind of went through it last time but there's certainly scenarios where it does make sense but well, whether or not think about this if somebody comes to you and, and wants to talk to you about this if somebody said to me have you thought about hiring employees I'd be like, well, let's talk about that. And we'd have a conversation, right? right? And and we'd come to some conclusion, but, oh, you should hire employees, even nice. if it's not said with that obnoxious <laughs> intonation, yeah. is it sets you up for an entirely different conversation. And I, I'm sure nobody on this call is like this, but if you're the type of person who really responds to judgment and potential shaming, because there's a little bit of that in there too, mm. you know, you start to hear that and you go, oh, maybe I should hire employees. Or maybe mm. your family has a number of different businesses and you've always talked about business at the dinner table. And then, you know, your mom or dad says, oh, I'm gonna, why don't you have any employees? You should go mm. get some. <laughs> Right. It's, it's you start to question your own logic and thought process. Yeah, it's really it's really like a, a parent child type of statement. Yeah. Like, I know what's best for you. I don't even mm-hmm. know you, but I know what's best for you because mm-hmm. why? Super judgy, super paternalistic uh, or I suppose maternalistic. And yeah, but so the, the specifically the employees thing, we I feel like we pretty much covered this yeah. one quite a bit last time. <laughs> We beat that one. Yeah. If you're deciding to do the agency model and you want a bunch of mini-me's and that's what you decide to do because strategically that's the way you want to create leverage in the business, then by all means, you know, be a a good leader, be a good boss, be a good manager and and work on all of those three skills instead of the skill that you used to do 
and let the other people do the skill you used to do, whatever. Like, as long as you go mm-hmm. into it with eyes wide open, I'm totally comfortable with yeah. that model. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, the, the sort of, but there are plenty of alternatives like that we listed last time. It's like, oh, agents, you know, the authority model where maybe you've got some assistance or maybe booking travel or organizing stuff, uh, a VA, something like that. But it's not a mini me. And, and maybe you have none. It's just a, a soloist type of authority business. It's just a completely other way to create leverage through either automation or uh, digital products. Or There's a million other ways to do it. So if somebody tells you you should hire employees, <laughs> ask them why they think that. Um, okay. So that one was pretty well covered last time, I think. What's another one that, that you hear all the time? Well, I hear, you know, with what I do, you should write a book. Mm-hmm. You know, and and my clients hear that you should write a book, okay. Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately, what happens when you hear that enough times is a lot of people have written a book without really thinking about what the book is for. I mean, we've got a few episodes on this. You know, what's the book for? Who's it for? What's the message? What's the transformation you want the reader to go through after they've read the book? How are you going to use that book in your business? Like, is it going to be like sort of like a loss leader? Are you going to give it away like a business card? Um, Or are you going to make money from selling the book? Uh, Is it a revenue stream? Is it a companion piece to a speech or series of workshops or a course that you do? You know, all that, all that stuff. And most people that casually recommend that you write a book have no knowledge of any of that stuff. (laughs) It's just, oh, you should write a book. Man, that's a great life story. You should write a book. Um, Or you're such an expert at this. You've helped me so much. You should write a book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this one cuts close to the bone for me because I have said in print and on mic many times that everyone should write at least one book and (laughs) right so it's it's painful to think about but i i I do still believe that but i wouldn't skip over all the other stuff you just said i wouldn't skip over any of that stuff i would make all those decisions first and there are plenty of times with my students where they'll say should i write a book and, it, and then I ask them that list of questions. And mm-hmm. based on the answers, I would say, you know, maybe not right now, maybe later, maybe now. Um, but yeah, in general, it's just. It, well, yeah, and there's one. business reasons to write a book and there are, are emotional reasons to writing mm-hmm. a book. I, I remember when my books arrived and the physical books, I got really emotional when I put mm-hmm. it in my hand. You know, it had that emotional component for me, even though it's a business book. It's not like it's, you know, this highly personal project. <laughs> Actually, it sort of is since I theoretically yeah. labored over it forever. But yeah, there's, you know, you want to be aware of what all those factors are. And it's not always logic mm-hmm. that makes us write a book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I guess if I was going to give myself a little bit of an out here, what I should say is everyone should write, like, Everyone should write a book, but maybe not right now is a little bit more and and everyone in this model is like if you're a consultant, if you're some kind of an expertise based business. But yeah, it, in in all honesty. <laughs> you realize you said what you should say, right? <laughs> did I? You I, knew did. That, I, I knew this was gonna happen. It's, this episode's gonna turn into a drinking game. Like like every time we use the word should from now on, it's like drink. 
But no, but I, I want to, I really want to zero in on that and not to shame you, but because we do that to ourselves. It's a, yeah. you, you just put a value judgment on yourself. Oh, well, you know, what I should have done was this. Right. And listen, you know, woulda, shoulda, couldas, right? We always do that. But I think we need to pay attention to when we use it with ourselves too. Mm, that's fair. Like, yeah. Oh, I should have worked harder. <laughs> oh, I should have like not hired that person or I should have hired that person or I should have spent the extra money to get this. I mean, those kinds of it, I, I just don't think those are really helpful. I would agree with that. If it feels different category to me, if you're doing it to yourself versus to someone who you don't know that well, to me, that's a, a, a greater sin to, to be giving advice to someone you don't know that well. You don't understand that. Like, do it to yourself. That's a, that feels, that is also bad. It's, in my head, it's a different category of bad. But I guess it's kind of this, it's similar though. Yeah, I don't know if I agree that it's a lesser evil. I think there, there, or sin, I think sin was the word you used. But yeah, I, I think that it's, let's put it this way. To be a consultant, we need to understand what, how the way that we communicate with our clients and our audience impacts them. So I think that's really important. And it's, I'm going to argue that it's a consulting skill. The should in our heads, I think, is different because that's sort of the self-talk genre. But that self-talk can really help us be more successful if, if we channel it to help us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. So what should we do? well you should (laughs) so so the book one the book one how would i how would i if i was going to rephrase that how would i put it i guess i would say that the probability is pretty high for a consultant that at some point publishing a book will be beneficial Mm -hmm. is that is that like yeah i mean yeah or or you know it's soft enough i I mean you know it doesn't come tripping off the tongue, but mm. you can also um, say, you know, because it's a lot of these messages are one-to-one, right? It's um, if you're in this space, it's not uncommon for a book to boost revenue or um, your speaking gigs, you know, so you mm-hmm. attach it to an outcome, right? Right? It's not uncommon. And then you, if they're interested, you can take it deeper and then you right. can ask questions and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. Tr- I'm thinking of. There's. A, we do have a few things that that I think we both agree on. That kind of. I don't know if we use the word should, but I think we probably have about <laughs> writing and speaking. So, mm-hmm. but it, it's kind of broad though. Like we, we, I think we both give a lot of wiggle room. It's like you know, I, I don't think everybody should have a daily mailing list, but I do think that it's going to be beneficial for an expert based business, some kind of consulting or authority business that you're writing regularly, publishing it, publishing your writing on a regular basis and speaking on a regular basis. I, mm-hmm. It's almost to the point of like, I don't know how you would get business at all if you weren't doing that. I don't know how you would even have a business if you weren't doing that. It's like it's like the mechanics of that business. It'd be all, yeah, it would be all relationship based and people that you know in your existing community. And people that you meet, it's just a, mm-hmm. you absolutely can do it. I've seen it, um, but yeah, it's not it. It doesn't scale in any real way. Mm. But yeah, I mean, and it, maybe the way we say that is an authority 
speaks and writes or speaks and publishes on a regular basis. You know, mm-hmm. you say something like that. Because that's, to me, that's that's like a plank in a point of view. That's yeah. not saying should. You're saying the way I look at an authority is someone who speaks and publishes regularly, right? Mm-hmm. It's your point of view, your lens. And that's powerful. That's powerful. It's when it, it's the word should that I think is so insidious because mm-hmm. it's just, it's like you're, tr- you know, you're trying to get into my brain yeah. and tell me what to do. Yeah, it's manipulative. So, mm-hmm. you know, it just reminded me of is the story I've probably told before about um, at Berkeley, you know, college music school, not California one. Um, E.E. Yeah, E.E. Uh, they, they would never say, the teachers would never say that these are, that music has rules they would say that different styles have different style practices. So if you mm. want to sound like Coltrane, you better figure out, uh, you know, like tritone chord soloing. And and you got to do that or you're not going to sound like Coltrane. And it's like, okay, I mean, that's, it's not a rule. It's not a, because mm-hmm. you get to decide who you want to sound like yourself or someone else or Shania Twain or, you know, so you're going to have to do different style practices if you want to sound like Coltrane versus Garth Brooks or whatever. Um, so it's kind of like if you want to have an authority book business, there's probably going to be a book in there somewhere. If you don't want to write a book, maybe you're not going to have an authority business. Maybe you're going to have a different kind of business where your expertise is packaged up in a different way. In which case I would say, yeah, you don't, you don't need a book. You don't need to write every day. You know, if you have a different kind of business, like um, one of my favorite examples is Knapsack, where they're expert at what they do. You know, it's a, you know web design. They build websites in a day. They don't, they don't need to write every, like, you know, if I said, oh, mm-hmm. you should write a book <laughs> to Ben, you would be like, why? Right? Because it's not an authority business. They've packaged up their expertise in a different way. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I like the word practices, you know, style practices. It, it, that's a really good way to look at it because it's it's not saying you must or that you should. It's that here's a practice. And you might say, in my experience, this practice is really beneficial if you want to build authority. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the person makes up their mind of whether that's them or right. they come up with something else. Maybe they do a killer podcast and there is no there is no book or yep. you find a ghostwriter to write the book because your podcast is so successful. You don't have time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All possibilities. Definitely. Absolutely. All right. How about the next should that people throw around? I mean, the one the one that I heard a lot when I moved to L.A. and I thought, is this an L.A. specific thing is is you should work for free. And some of that was because L.A. is is a, you know, a movie and TV and production town. So this idea was uh, like my husband's a producer and they're like, well, you should just work for free on this. And then, you know, if we sell it, you'll get a piece. He's like, uh, yeah, but I've got to keep a roof over my head in the meantime. Mm-hmm. So is you should work for free. Or so you want to do something new? Well, you should do a project for free so that um, you can learn on this. Yeah, you should do this for free. Mm. So I, okay, I've got, uh, this one's not as close to the bone as the book one, but I have, uh, it's not really a should though. There's a, there's a, a specific scenario where I suggest to students that they pilot a productized service pro bono in exchange for uh, feedback. So marketing feedback, Mm -hmm. uh, feedback on the delivery and pricing guidance. So, 
and and I'm careful to say pro bono because it's not really free. You're not getting paid, but you there is a transaction. There's a deal. Yeah. And and a testimonial. You know, if the, if it goes right. well, then you know a testimonial will be part of the air quotes payment. But again, it's like the, it's not the kind of thing I would just broadly say to someone in general. It's just a way if somebody has is like pivoting to a brand new space, they haven't got as much experience with it, or they're not quite sure what the language is, then you know, there's little more powerful than a glowing testimonial in terms of social proof and street cred and, Mm -hmm. you know, delivering outsized results to people. Uh, So that's, you know, that's something I would recommend doing in a very specific case, very strategically. Uh, The other thing I'd say about the other thing related to free that um, has probably come out of my mouth many times on the show is that I'd I'd rather do something for free than for cheap. Yes, there's free and there's expensive. Either one of those can be okay, but mm-hmm. cheap is bad. Yes. Yeah. In this space, right? So, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, yeah. I'd rather not do it than do it for cheap, or I'd rather do it for free than do it for cheap. But yeah. It's, it's like if you're in like the Nextdoor app or maybe Facebook where people are talking about, oh, so-and-so will do your lawn or they're the plumber and they'll always go, oh, he's really cheap. He's great. <laughs> it was like, I don't want anybody to say that about me anywhere ever. Hmm. Yeah. My mantra in the early days, like 2006, 2007, was like, I want everyone, I want my clients in every testimonial to say, ah, it was expensive, but it was worth it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the perfect <laughs> testimonial. Yeah. Yeah. And I I like your, um, your pilot pro bono situation. I did that myself when I first pivoted into this in 2007. Um, But there are situations even there where you can still charge. And the, the, um, the way I like to think about that is you're not charging full rate, but you're charging them something so that your client has some skin in the game. And that's Mm -hmm. usually when you already know the client, right? Maybe you've done something else with them and you're experimenting with some something new. And so you might say, listen, um, you know, I, I think that this is going to wind up being priced at $25,000. Um, this is the value that I believe you'll receive. And, you know, it is experimental. So I'm, you know, I'm only going to charge you 10 or something, but there's some amount so that they feel like they have skin in the game. Mm-hmm. I've seen that a few times or recommended that a few times. Yep. Yeah. That, ma- that makes sense to me. Yeah, and with the, in case people are interested in, in maybe trying the sort of pro bono pilot idea, uh, I would never do it with anything that was like a long, potentially long time. Span. It'd always be like really, <laughs> really small. Like for me, a, for me, a good productized service takes maybe five to ten hours across, you know, three to six weeks. You know, spread out across, you know, two two to six weeks maybe. Uh, so it's not like a massive. It's nothing near full time or anything like that. So it's it's just mm-hmm. this, you know uh, something that you're you want to experiment and see if there's any appetite for it and see what kind of results you can deliver and then you know start thinking about price and so forth. But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. And I also like the yeah. I, I've certainly done that before too, where it's like um, I mean I'm about to do a, a, a getting ready to beta a new workshop and I will almost surely offer it at like a pilot price, like hey. This is going to be rough around the edges. It's not perfect. Uh, I will be looking for lots of feedback to make it better. And and yeah, and I'm, pr- I'm not going to sell it at full price. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's a pilot, right? So it's, it's yeah, right. And it's, you're yeah. going to attract different kind of people for that kind of a thing. So anyway, but the, the, you should work for free thing. 
like you can just uh, how many how many like clients from hell i just see it like oh well (laughs) it'll be great exposure for your you know whatever the logo there's gonna be like Mm -hmm. thousands of people on our site it's gonna be great exposure young designer you should do the logo for free to build your portfolio oh yeah you know there's a corollary to this too which is not so much you should work for free but you should work with so and so like somebody that's completely outside your niche, even if you haven't like really, really niched yet. So um, an example would be I had somebody say, oh, they introduced me to the owner of a, of a food industry company, like a $40 million food industry company. I, I, I can't help them market their stuff. I mean, well, yeah, I could. I wouldn't be any good at it. There's lots of people who even specialize in that. And it's like, oh, yeah, you should you should talk to them. They Oh, they would love you. Like, no, no, I shouldn't. <laughs> uh, so there's yeah. that too. And especially if somebody in your circle, your, maybe it's early in your business, and they really want to support you. And they're like, oh, you yeah. need to talk to Fred. Mm-hmm. You you should you should you yeah. really really should talk to Fred because yeah he's got a lot of budget and I'm sure you could help him yeah I got a version of that when um, I published hourly billing is nuts and like weirdly for the first time ever like people in my family read a book I wrote and ah. yeah that was a new experience and uh, you know uh, more than one person in my family was like you should. Right, you know, right, because it's very specific. All the examples are from software, because that's what I was doing when I, you know, wrote a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You should do one of these for lawyers. You should do one of these for this. You could, this could be for anyone who bills by the hour. It's like, it's like okay, right? But at the time, you know, this is in 2016, 15, 16. Uh, back then, I wasn't really interested in broadening out at all. I wanted to keep my focus really tight on self-employed software developers and and so i just sort of smile and nod like yeah i should and then do nothing about it because i because because my objective and my strategy were super clear in my mind so when someone gives you this tactical advice i can just nod and smile and ignore them and but but if i and here they were trying to create the next chicken soup for the soul like (laughs) you know they were in your corner (laughs) yeah hourly billing is nuts lawyer's edition or whatever exactly agency edition uh that actually sounds pretty good right now like at this you know what it would six years later mm-hmm. like oh, that's actually not that bad an idea now but at the time i was not that was not it was not the right time so you can well. just ignore it <laughs> <laughs> you should <laughs> you should I'm, I'm glad we don't have like beer wine or whiskey because you're right this is does feel like a drinking game <laughs> It's never going to go away either. It's like from here on out, there's going to be. Yes. Yes. I like this though. I, you know, should is just not the right word. It's not a word I want to use. I feel like if I'm using it, I'm not trying hard enough. Yeah. It's lazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Unless you already, I'm trying to think of exceptions because of course we use the word. We've used it a hundred times here, but I think the exceptions are, I still would try not to use the word. I would still try and lead the, the student or the client to the, to the decision, you know, lead them to the water, but they still have to drink. Mm-hmm. And I probably would relax that for efficiency's sake when I'm intimately familiar 
with all aspects of their business and sometimes even not all aspects of their life, but I'm like familiar with their family and what their goals are and, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think, and I think I almost always, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like imagine a scenario. I think what I usually say is if it were me, I would do this, you know, and, or if I were in your shoes, knowing what I know, these are the two options or these are the three options that I'd consider. I feel like I do that, but I'll probably probably going to hear it from people after this goes live. <laughs> like, nah, dude, you're always bossing us around. I don't know. I don't. I don't really know, but um, I do. Well, that's kind of that's a, a model, though. I think that's a model if you think about it. It's like if this, then that, mm-hmm. right? So if this situation, then now this you still don't have to use the word should, but mm-hmm. you're you know we're getting more into that kind of territory. So if you're in this situation and this and this and this are true, then maybe you might mm-hmm. consider, mm-hmm. you know, one, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there any, is there any difference is should and shouldn't, is there, is there any meaningful difference? Uh-uh. Still has all the judgment in it. It's just the other direction. Yeah. You shouldn't start your own business. That's not safe. You know, <laughs> are you crazy? <laughs> so, yeah. Man, because I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm at. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm after this. I'm gonna. I can do like a global search across all of my daily emails. I want to find out how many times I've used the word "should" versus the word like "would." Oh. I would. I would. I'd use "would" a lot more frequently. Like I would. In given if this scenario, mm-hmm. you know, or if I was in a situation like this with a client, what I would do is this, and then they can kind of decide what if that sounds useful to them. I think I use the word would more than should, but but we'll find out. The tail of the tape. Yeah. Yeah. Curious about with, that. Yeah. It, it, it is. It's a, it's a really slippery slope because, yeah, should is lazy. And I know I've said should, and I know it's in my stuff, even though I, you know, I, I proof my stuff. I read it a couple times, usually three or four times. So you would think I would take the shoulds out, but I guarantee, I don't know if I have a global. Oh, you know, I do on my blogs. I have a global. I could, I could search that. Uh, now I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> well, I well, think. I'm more scared than you are. Cause yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. But it's, it's once you, once you're aware of it, it's just impossible to unsee it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's like a an opportunity to stop and think. It's like, oh, I was about to say should, or I just said should. Like, hmm, how could I have done that in a different way that would maybe be more effective? Because it's it's like it's usually in a client situation. I don't think it's it's just not effective to talk down to them. No, I don't. I'm no. trying to think of an exception to that. I can't think to, of an exception like where where talking down to someone like parent child style is more useful or effective at getting the transformation because we're in the business of creating transformations i can't think of a, a, a scenario where you wouldn't want it to be two adults talking to each other and adult, adults shouldn't talk to each other like that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. so yeah. it's just not effective you know it's it's I, d- it, I don't to see me, that it, it, it makes the person who says should a lot. I mean, I think everybody does at some point, but somebody who does that a lot, I feel like they're in a bubble. Yeah, and they're living in they're an idealized in, version of reality. Yeah, they're in their bubble. And in their, and I'm going to argue we're all in our own bubbles. And, mm-hmm. and we give advice based on our bubble. Um, 
but yeah, so you have to decide who whose bubble you want to take advice from. Yeah, and, and the advice giver, I feel, has a responsibility to kind of first do no harm and yes. try and get into the other person's bubble enough that they're not blindly giving best practices advice or advice that advice presented in a way that it's a universal truth when really nothing's it's not it's not a universal right. truth for sure right so it's i mean it does it really does come down to the presentation style which reminds me there reminds me of a related topic i think it was the autobiography of ben franklin i read when i was in in high school around that age and i remember there was a, a piece in that book that i'm going to horribly paraphrase that was where he was counseled by you know some someone who was who said something to the effect of you when you know ben you just like make these pronouncements like you're zeus throwing lightning bolts down from the mountain you know it's like it's like mm -hmm. where everyone knows that what you're saying is your opinion but you should say that it's your opinion like i think like include i think right and mm -hmm. I, this this a huge light bulb went on because I, <laughs> as a budding junior Mister Spock when I was little, oh yeah, oh I had the ears, the ears, ears and everything. Yeah, I had the haircut. <laughs> oh my god, ears are nothing compared to the haircut. So okay, so as a budding Mister Spock, I always thought it was more efficient to just make the statement and not couch it with I think because obviously it's what I think. That's why I'm saying it, right? But right, but. It's so obnoxious <laughs> that it becomes ineffective. It's the same kind of thing. It's like it's like you want to say you you want to almost include. It's almost like you're including a percentage chance of correctness. Like I'm pretty sure, or I think this might work, or I'm confident that this is the solution you're looking for. You almost want to to roll out this. Um, it's a little bit. It could come across like CYA, cover your ass. Mm-hmm. But it is the reality. It's more realistic to say, you know, I really, I'm on the fence about this one. You could really go either way. I don't, I don't think there's any way to get more information to make this decision clearer. Or this worked for me. You seem like you're in a similar situation that I was in. So it's probably worth giving a try. That's, think of the difference between that and like, you should write a book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not, exactly. even if you said, I think you should write a book would be better than you should write a book. You should hire employees. You should work for free. Well, it's the sort of the classic consultant is, answer is it depends. And I always feel weird when I give that, when somebody asks me a very pointed question. Yeah. Um, but if I'm working with them and I, you know, deeply and I know their stuff, I, I don't have to couch it usually. I mean, and and I'm, I don't have to answer it with a question. Well, what do you think about that? Yeah. Right. But sometimes, like I'm thinking like in my in my group option, you know, somebody will ask a very pointed question and I may not know enough about the background of where they're coming from to know what the answer is. So yes. that's when I give one of those, it depends. If this, then you might consider A. And if this, then you might consider B. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, and you can engage them in a dialogue potentially and, and figure that out. But that's a great example because group, co same thing with me. It's like group coaching There's like, you know, 500 plus people in there. Uh, and I don't, I don't know everyone's positioning. I don't know everyone's revenue. I don't know everyone's, you know, all the things inside their bubbles. So when they ask a really pointed question, it's always, it always turns into a, a, a chain of questions back to kind of explore the bubble. 
and get some kind of context so the answer would hopefully be useful. You know, it's like likely to mm -hmm. work or might at least increase my confidence. Um, it, it depends. So it's, so there's a couple of, a couple of factors here. One is how well you know the other person. You know, when, when you're being prescriptive with your advice, it's like, how well do you know the other person? And how sure, it's like, how sure are you of the, the, the piece of expertise, like, the, like how confident yes. are you about yes. this particular thing? So if somebody yeah. asked me a question that I, I've just seen blow up in their, in people's face, like this person, 99 times out of a hundred, I'm going to be, my confidence level, you know, is going to be pretty high, uh, about whatever it is I'm about to suggest where other times, you know, the classic one where I just, I just never taken a, uh, take a stance is, should I use my own name for my web my domain name or should I use a business name for my domain name? And there's like a couple of questions I, I ask. They never have an answer because they're always way at the beginning of their career. They don't know if they're eventually going to sell. They don't know what kind of business model they're going to do yet. They're, they're, bef they're at the starting block still. And I'm like, do you already have your own name, the .com for your own name? Probably just use that. <laughs> don't overthink it. <laughs> You know, and, and this will, this will, it always starts a, a, uh, not quite a holy war, but there's always people who land on both sides of the argument and then they sort of debate the relative, you know, back and forth. And you just end up right back on the top of the fence. You're going like, eh, yeah, I could go either way. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you might end up regarding it. You might not. There's no, no information that we can gain right now that will tell you one way or the other. Um, so that's like very low confidence in giving somebody advice about that normally. Where if someone's like, oh, I'm thinking about starting freelancing, what should my hourly rate be? Like my confidence is going to be pretty high that I'm going to give them advice to not do that at all and start clean with a different approach. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. So I think there's two there's two variables there. It's like how confident am I in the global applicability of the advice and how well do I know the person's situation? And then I can sort of dial in my level of proclamation from there. Like... <laughs> Like how, how like mushy am I going to be or how specific am I going to be? How Ben Franklin will yeah. be. Yeah. Yes. Well, to Ben Franklin's credit, he started couching his proclamations <laughs> as did I, junior Mr. Spock. <laughs> Try to anyway. I, I just can't get that picture out of my head. I think you're going to have to send me a, a photo. There, there is one in existence, um, but. Yeah. I think I need to see it. Yeah. I had the eyebrows and everything. And it was not even <laughs> Halloween. I don't even think it was Halloween. <laughs> Let's see if my mother can dig that up. Maybe, yeah. maybe for the 300th episode, we'll auction that off to the highest bidder. I'll make an <laughs> NFT of it. There you go. Uh, oh, man. So, all right. Have we left any stones unturned here? Do we want to... I, I, think, I think we should put a pin in it. Yeah, exactly. The dear listener is probably trashed by now. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what their beverage of choice was. Yeah, coffee, hopefully. It's still pretty early. Yeah, exactly. Uh, cool. All right, folks. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And you should join us again next time for the Business of Authority. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>